This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of February 16, 2015, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 215 of Defender Radio. Making humane choices can be difficult at times, but when you know where to look and which questions to ask, it can be surprisingly easy and satisfying. This week, we're talking with two individuals who have made significant strides in operating humane businesses and have also been stalwart supporters of the fur bearers. We'll hear first from Brad Gates, owner of AAA Gates Wildlife Control. As an animal lover and honest businessman, Brad has done wonders for educating the public on humane wildlife removal and is leading the pack at reforming his own industry to be even better for the animals. Following Brad, we'll touch base with Alicia Gamoya Allen, manager of a Lush Cosmetics store in Indiana that had the largest success in the Make Fur History campaign last fall. Let's get started with Brad Gates. Since childhood, Brad has loved animals, and now he runs the most reputable and honest business for the humane removal of wildlife from homes in Toronto, AAA Gates Wildlife Control, with offices across the GTA and even in Vancouver. While running a humane and honest business is simply a part of Brad's day-to-day life, homeowners can meet some business owners that aren't as humane or honest. Brad recently joined us to talk about his business, his ethics, and how homeowners can make the humane choice in wildlife removal. You've been in the business of wildlife removal for a long time now. Uh, At what point was the decision made to put the animal's welfare first? Well, I come by this occupation honestly as a a youngster i had the opportunity to raise pigeons rabbits um, and even uh, a raccoon which really pushed me in the direction of wildlife control Um, this was back in the day when it was still legal to to have wildlife in captivity but i spent an entire summer with this raccoon um, learned a lot about the uh, the habits and the behaviors of, of that species and I knew that from that experience that I wanted to work um, in a field that uh, involved working closely with animals. And I, I, what I was experiencing, my neighbor, my neighbor had a raccoon in their attic, and I saw a company come and do work there. And I saw a raccoon sit in a cage trap for um, a day and a half before they returned to, to release it. And I knew there had to be a better way, so I, we just started experimenting with procedures that didn't involve trapping and um, we developed what we think uh, is one of the most humane methods of, of removing wildlife and, and I don't think we, we know it all. I think we continue to, to improve our methods and, and try different things to um, really reduce the stress put on an animal during that uh, the removal procedure. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> and on that note, uh, as you and I have spoken before, there there are a lot of fly-by-night operators, um, folks who will take advantage of homeowners who are really concerned about uh, animals in their homes. How can a consumer differentiate between an honest businessman and one that offers uh, uh, fair prices and quality work or one that doesn't? That is a, a very difficult question um, in the sense that it's, the answer 
the answers to that question can be um, looked at from multiple angles. Um, homeowners can ask specific questions of, of wildlife removal companies, but wildlife removal companies, especially the fly-by-night companies, have learned to give answers um, according to what the homeowner wants to hear. And in other words, they have all the right answers. However, um, having said that, there are key elements that a homeowner um, can ask of a wildlife removal company that would um, weed out the fly-by-night. And it has to do with um, service businesses in general, not, not just wildlife control. Um, but primarily, um, we, we work on ladders, we climb on rooftops, um, and we confront animals in those situations. So the, the business of wildlife control can be a dangerous one. So the homeowner wants to protect themselves against any accidents that may happen in the in the course of carrying out the business. Um, of course, this doesn't have anything to do with wildlife, but you also certainly want to um, take care of um, their own needs, the, the homeowner's needs, while they have people working on their home. Um, so from a business, purely business perspective, there are, there are four things that I generally like to cover off with a customer if they're shopping around for a wildlife removal company. And number one being ask about the company's health and safety program. Um, they should be able to give examples of how actively um, they promote health and safety within their organization and potentially have meetings on, on how to stay safe. Um, I believe if, if a company cares about the, the health and safety of their employees, they should in turn also care about the animals and potentially um, the customers as well. Uh, another thing they should ask for is to see the WSIB certificate of that company. Um, as of January last year, I believe, uh, all contractors working in Ontario should be uh, insured through the WSIB. And another key um, component would be that the individual doing the work on your house should have a fall protection, fall protection certificate. Um, they should have been trained to work at height. That, that's the law as well. And a lot of the fly-by-night companies don't have that. Um, if the, the wildlife removal company cannot provide those, those three things, the, that they have health and safety, they have WSAB, and the employee working on the house has, doesn't have, um, a fall protection certificate, then I would full stop and not hire that company at all. They're just, they're certainly not, um, putting the, the the employee's um, best interests at heart. Now, from a wildlife perspective, you want to be careful um, not to hire companies that use live traps as a means of removing wildlife because trapping often separates mothers from babies and the babies end up dying in the attic. And also, an animal in a trap for any confined or for any length of time um, will injure itself in its attempt to to actually escape the trap. Um, we've seen situations where a raccoon left in a trap for 24 hours will sustain severe injury to its paws and face um, trying to get out of the trap. Um, homeowners should also avoid hiring one-man operators uh, because in the business of wildlife control, it is very labor-intensive, and one individual would have difficulty following up on jobs in progress while they are taking on new work. Um, and when this happens, usually it's the animals that are going to suffer. Also, during baby season, the company should be using heated release boxes 
that uh, keep the babies warm while the mother is relocating them to an alternate den site. If the company isn't using uh, one of these boxes, and, and it shouldn't be just a cardboard box, it should be a specially designed box, you want to want the company to show you that they are investing um, in, in caring for the animals and that they're using devices and tools that, uh, that promote that. And the last point I would like to make is that uh, referrals hold a lot of weight, whether you get a referral from a humane society or an animal control, because um, they're the ones that are going to receive the complaints about the bad company. Um, the other place that um, offers referrals, which is an excellent source, is uh, an organization called Homestars, and they can be found at homestars.com. And it's a consumer-based site where consumers can rate uh, companies and they can say good things or bad things. They give them a, a score from zero to ten on how how well they thought the company did, as far as customer service goes, as quality of work, whether they're humane. And um, just as an aside, is uh, just last night I attended the Homestars um, award program, and uh, Gates Wildlife Control won the award for best of in Durham Region and Toronto. So we're, we're very proud of that. But uh, just, I just had to get that in. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on the awards. They're very well-deserved. Yeah, um, and uh, on that note, too, something that, that frequently comes up is regulations on wildlife removal industries. Um, is there sort of on-the-table regulations about how these businesses operate or is there a way of verifying uh, how a business operates? I mean, it's one thing to say you do it this way, but is there a way to find out if it's actually done that way? Um, the only, there's not a lot of regulations governing how we perform our work, and this is why I'm a, a real advocate on, on getting our industry licensed. Um, the only, the three main um, governing uh, acts, if you will, that control how we perform our work are the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Act, which restricts um, how far we can relocate wildlife, which in my eyes shouldn't be relocated at all. Um, the Migratory Bird Act, which dictates us dictates that we don't remove nesting birds um, during that time of the season. And the other is the OSPCA Act, which is a cruelty act, which I think uh, home or certain businesses have been um, charged with cruelty based on certain um, certain procedures and devices they might be using. But um, unfortunately, there's no one governing body that's been looking after uh, how we perform our work, and this is why there are so many fly-by-night companies in this business. To get in touch with Brad or learn more about AAA Gates Wildlife Control, visit www.gateswildlifecontrol.com. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. First, they tear a hole in your roof. Then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control will humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at gateswildlifecontrol.com or call 
750-9453. After a night out with your friends, there are always options for getting home safely. You could call your BFF, take a cab, or maybe you'll grab the last bus. Now there's a smartphone app to help you choose your ride. Find out more at arrivealive.org. Millions of animals are killed for their fur each year in Canada. You can help stop the cruelty. Join the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals today and be the voice for those who can't speak for themselves. Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com. This is Defender Radio. Late last year, we launched our largest ever anti-fur campaign, Make Fur History. Helping us spread the word about the fur industry to millions of consumers was Lush Cosmetics, who decked out their stores and featured the Make Fur History campaign on their popular charity pot program. And at one store in Indiana, over 200 pieces were donated by those who had seen the truth about fur. Joining us to talk about this campaign, its successes, and why consumers decided to make the humane choice is Lush Cosmetics store manager, Alicia Gamoya Allen. Last year, Lush presented the Make for History campaign um, to, to all the store managers, all of the key players in Lush. What was your first thoughts when you saw that campaign brief for Make for History? Okay, so my first thought, well, to start it off, it was a, an incredibly emotional um, presentation. Um, I was, I would say, a, a major basket case during the whole presentation. Um, it took a huge chunk out of my heart just to sit there and watch that. Um, you know, uh, I had already had some issues with the whole fur trade um, prior to that because we had just heard that um, we were getting a store in the mall that would be a fur store, um, a fur retailer. So um, I was um, really frustrated um, to why some a store like that would even come into a mall that even had a Lush. Um, but, you know, so, so I was already a little frustrated. So I almost felt like vindicated when I saw this campaign um, and heard about it. Um, it was just very exciting um, as well as, you know, the emotional part, it, you know, it's a given. Um, but very excited um, to educate customers um, about, you know, the fur trade um, and what it actually is. Um, you know, so many people I feel are so um, miseducated or not aware uh, of what the fur trade is and what fur farms really are. Um, you know, the things that I've heard from customers during this campaign um, were just truly sad. Um, you know, lots of the responses were, you know, like, God, like somebody would say, you know, well, the animal dies of old age and then the fur is used. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that was inappropriate. Just, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but some people believe that, I guess, yeah. you know. Um, and then, uh, God, or the animal was raised just for the fur and they've been taken really good care of um, during the process. You know, just really sad responses like that. Um so, you know, I was just, the initial thing was, I the initial response was just overjoyed, but incredibly emotional, because I knew it was going to be a very emotional campaign um, 
for me and my team because we're so passionate about the about animals in general. Um, but it was very exciting to be able to know that we can educate our customers and we would be given the tools to be able to give them the information that they really need to know to know what the fur trade is um, and what fur farmers really are um, and, you know, make a difference. Um, as much of a difference as we, we can. Uh, what was it like with the, uh, the as you said, there's that uh, uh, store in the mall that's uh, a fur retailer. Was there any kind of tension for your staff or customers as that came in and the campaign got launched? Okay, so, you know, there was tension. Um, uh, like we said, we heard that it was going in, so it hadn't even been open, um, and there was already tension just because, you know, we're a really passionate bunch of people here, um, and um, we just, you know, couldn't imagine why, you know, like we're, I mean, it's, it's, it's 2014, you know, like who wears fur nowadays, you know, like fur coats, you know, why is there a fur store going in the mall? But um, there was tension, but you know what, um, the team was really receptive and, and sensitive to the fact that, you know, we can't hold the people responsible who are actually working in that store. Um, you know, we, we, maybe they're not educated. Maybe they need some education on what the fur trade is and where these furs are coming from and that kind of thing. So, um, we actually broke bread with them. We actually went to them and donated the day that they opened. We donated, we gave each person in their store a large charity pot with the fur bearer defenders um, uh, stickers on them and um, and it was just a way um, to break the bread and just say hey listen you know we want you to know that we're about to have this campaign and it's it's going to be a campaign that's um, you know uh, that's going to be educating our customers about the fur trade um, and we want you guys to be aware of it in no way is this you know aimed towards you we don't want any hard feelings um, you know, and they were very, they were very, they were not receptive. They were just, I don't know, dead stare. Um, you know, come to find out it's a family owned company. So everybody that works there. So it's not like a big retailer, like, you know, it's a family owned company. Um, so uh, everybody that works there pretty much owns part of the company, I, I would say. So, um they weren't interested, but, you know, we did have the mall manager come out to us and thank us, um, not the mall manager, the marketing manager, um, for thanking us to do for doing that. Um, we, they had really appreciated that we actually went out of our way to do that for them. Now, I was told that your store collected over 200 furs, and that was part of the campaign to turn in fur and get a free product. I, I, I don't even know how to frame a question around that. Two hundred furs is remarkable. Um, what were what were people saying when they came in? Well, um, people were, you know, let's start off with their emotions. They were extremely excited about the campaign, especially people that were a hundred percent against, you know, the fur trade, you know, wearing fur, that kind of thing. Um, they were, you know, they were thrilled. Um, they were great, um, you know. And then you had some that um, that just you know weren't interested, and and those people it was fine you know if, if they weren't interested they didn't want to hear about it then, then that's fine that's their choice you know they have that right, um, but you know 
I would say a good 80% of our customers were really interested in what we had to say because, you know, a lush customer is a lush customer. Whether we're talking about fur or we're talking about the environment or we're talking about Hug It Forward out in Guatemala, or we're talk, you know, we're talking, about, we're always talking about something. So they almost expect it when they come in here because it's something that we do. So a good portion of them were really open to listening um, to what we had to say, which was great because we were able to educate them on um, a lot of things that um, they were unaware of, you know. Um, they were really happy um, to be able to go online and, um, you know, take that, make that pack to, to make for history and to pledge to not wear fur. Um, they were great. Um, I had so many people donate the coats and hats and gloves right off their back that they came into the store with, which was, it, it was incredibly emotional. Like, it, it, we cried. We we hugged. It was just it was such an emotional experience. It was unbelievable, and um, people were extremely receptive, you know. And we just told everybody. We talked about it on our Facebook page. We, um, I mean, every one of my associates put it on their personal Facebook page. They put it on, you know, everything. Their Twitter accounts, their their Instagrams. Like my team just told everybody about it. Make for history, make for his hashtag, make for history. So it was something that we were talking about. Like as soon as I found out about it, we were talking about it um, because it was something that, you know, we were really passionate about. Like animals is something that we are really super passionate about. Um, so, you know, the customers just kind of emulated like what was what we were giving and they were taking it and they were turning it around and and I was seeing customers telling other customers about it and it was just incredible and you know we we are in a very affluent area um the the houses around where we are located are million dollar homes and you know it's very very typical it's very typical for somebody to walk in here with a fur coat you know um so the team is kind of programmed to 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 not t take offense to that, you know, and I always tell the girls, if they get upset and frustrated with something like that, just remember in the back of their mind, they're supporting the cause, okay? Give them the best service and know that they're buying our stuff and they're supporting Lush's cause. We're an ethics-driven company and they're supporting all of our ethics, whether they're, you know, worried about the environment or not or worried about animal rights or humanitarian rights, it doesn't matter. They're supporting the cause, so let's just give them the best service and get them to spend, you know, the money so they can give to the cause and we could have more campaigns like this. Um, you know, those are the people, like, those, it was funny because, like, if somebody would come in with a fur, we would try really hard to sell them a charity pot and make sure that we gave them, um, you know, a charity pot with a fur bearer defender um, sticker on top of it. So, you know, like, we weren't, we're not in the business to make anybody feel uncomfortable. Um, we were just, we're just here to educate everybody about it, you know, and a lot of people were very, um, very receptive, very, very receptive, and and they learned a lot. And um, I, I think we changed quite a few people and um, changed their ways. So um, it was it was very rewarding, and people were just really excited about um, the campaign. Well, it's absolutely great to hear that it was such a success there. Um, and uh, my final question, and this kind of maybe puts it in context for you. Uh, through this campaign, with Lush's incredible support, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across North America and parts of Europe were hit with this information. They saw the photos, they saw the videos, they saw the campaign. 
we're seeing a continuing downward spiral in fur sales. Um, we just found out that one fur farm expansion in Newfoundland on our east coast has withdrawn their application due to the decline. Um, that is awesome. That is and, awesome. Yeah, and it's it's continuing. It's every week I'm writing something about the fur industry going downhill. So now looking back three months, um, four months almost, how does it feel to know that you have been a part of such an important campaign in such a big way? You know, it, it feels great, um, you know, but the bottom line is that, you know, it's such a small part and such a big issue. Um, you know, it, it, and I am thankful for how well we did. I mean, that's 200 less furs that are out um, in the public um, for other people to see and say, oh, that's cool looking. Let me go buy one, you know. Um, uh, the bottom line is that, you know, we want to do more. We want to keep on making this. Um, we want to put this, you know, into people's um, peripheral vision, like it, just in their frontal vision. We want them to know what's going on. Um, we can, you know, continue to educate them and continue to talk about it, continue to talk about the hashtag make for history because it's still up. Um, you know, I've reached out to fur bear defenders and we've gotten some posters and the team, like everybody on my team has taken one and, and, and pledged to hang it somewhere. Um, where it's a very visible area um, where people can see it. Um, and I plan on once we run out of the 20 that I got that we get another 20 and we keep on going and keep on putting it out there until the entire fur industry is finished. Um, I mean, it, I am very happy. The team feels really great. They felt like um, they did a great job, but it's, it's just the beginning of a fight, you know, that there's, there's so much that needs to be done still. It's such a big issue. Um, so to answer your question, I feel great, but um, I don't feel, I feel like there's more that can be done. Well, and that's true. And that's why we are going to continue and Lush is going to continue and you and your excellent team are going to continue. Um, and on behalf of myself, the fur bears, the animals, our thousands of members and tens of thousands of supporters, I really want to offer you our deepest possible gratitude for your hard work in this. It's been absolutely amazing getting the updates from Lush, from hearing about your success, and from knowing that there are people all over the world like you standing up and speaking out for the animals. To find out more about Lush Cosmetics and their incredible charity pot program, please visit lush.ca. That's the show for this week, folks. I'd like to thank our guests for sharing their time, and a particular thanks to Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control for his ongoing support of this program. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong. <laughs>